The Athletic. Tony Football Show, European edition today. Stop your grinning and drop your linen. The Champions League group stage is beginning. We check on this week's matchups and get the latest news from the parallel universe where the continent used to be, where Atalanta are top in Italy, where Freiburg are top in Germany, and where PSG's lead in France is nil point. All the big stories from around Europe on the way in this Toby Football Show. Tuesday the 6th of September, and we're ready to roll with this Totally Football show. James Horncastle's here. Hi, James. Hello, James. Oh, also got Alvaro Romeo with us. All right, Alvaro. Hola, buenos dias. Buenas. Uh, Julian Laurence and Raphael Honigstein too. Bonjour. Hello. Hello. Wow. We've got a busy day ahead of us. A Champions League group stage getting underway later on today. A lot of excitement about that, and we're going to be talking it up. But meantime, domestically, what's this? Title races breaking out all over Europe in Spain. Just two points separating the top three. In France, Marseille level with Paris Saint-Germain and Lens and Lyon both within a win. In Italy, Atalanta top and the next eight teams only three points apart. And in Germany, only one point separating the top four with Freiburg top and Bayern third. Rafa, incredible. Rafa? Yeah? I said it's in- it's incredible. That's the bit where you then go... It's incredible. There you go. Confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> it's official. I was surprised because this season has so many. We've begun saying, well, it's going to be a bit of a procession in Liga. It's going to be a bit of a procession in Germany too. And uh, at the moment, uh, far from it. Anyway, perhaps we'll get further details as the show rolls by. Let's warm you up then with a moment of the weekend. Horncastle, you're up first. At the end of the Milan derby, James, there was just one banner left in the Curva Sud, which is where the Milan Ultras uh, stand, and it said, Io campione, tu piangina. I'm the champion. You're a bunch of crybabies, essentially. And Inter, having taken the lead in that game, ended up losing it, just like they did in February. All the ghosts of last season's title race and how this fixture kind of influence came back to haunt them and we got to see some excellent football uh, in particular some sensational dribbling uh, from last year's Serie A MVP Milan resisted uh, overtures from Chelsea in the last few uh, days of the transfer window to, to keep him and uh, thank God they did because he's just a magnificent player to watch and, uh, and certainly every time Leao is playing, uh, you can't take your eyes off him. Yeah, bet Inter are glad they're not facing him this week. Who have they got instead? Checks next. Oh yeah, Bayern Munich. All right, well, uh, let's get a moment of the weekend <laughs> from Raphael Honigstein. Moment of the weekend, James, came at the uh, Bay Arena where Ritsu Doan scored a third goal for Freiburg. He did one, if you will. Um <laughs> <laughs> Need some work, but we'll, we'll come back to that. It's a good idea. The idea is good. Freiburg kommt wieder an den Fünfer. Tor! Tor für Freiburg! 3 zu 2, Rizzo Doan! To win the game for Freiburg, away to Leverkusen, which in itself is pretty amazing, or incredible, as some might say. 
But even more incredibly, that meant that Freiburg took over the league table because Bayern could only draw against Union. And even though it's only the fifth match day of the season, it does feel like a pivotal moment, a sort of a, a watershed moment, Freiburg actually leading the table, which just underlines the amazing run they've been under uh, since Christian Streich has been there. Phenomenal strike rate. Mm. There you go. There you go. Alvaro, what you got for us? Well, it could be uh, Gennaro Gattuso's preferences for his uh, daughter, uh, mm-hmm. because I don't know if you saw that, but he said that uh, he would like uh, for her daughter a man like Tony Lato, a player from Valencia, but he said his daughter is still a little bit young, not so young, 18 years old. Tony Lato is 24, yeah, wait a little bit. Uh, I don't know if Tony Lato would like to have Gennaro Gattuso as a father-in-law, but I'm going to stay with uh, Martin Braithwaite scoring for Espanyol, because after uh, terminating his contract uh, with Barcelona after a tough time for him at Barcelona, really, in the summer that the club didn't want him, Xavi talking, the club talking him as well. Well, he left to Espanyol, the biggest rival of Barcelona, and uh, he has his maiden game for them, scoring a winning goal against Athletic Club Bilbao. So this comeback of Braithwaite, uh, which is a footballing comeback and a hair comeback, I have to say, I didn't know that he had so much. Well, it's the moment of the week in Spain. Wow. And I, I bet Leganes, uh, uh, I bet their hearts are melting over, over that story. Uh, by the way, Alvaro, how do you say son-in-law in, in Spanish? Joder. Uh, Is it not general? <laughs> Genero or something no, like that? No, 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 Dios. Uh, wait a second, this is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> you give me the German version. Are you it's really Spanish? Yeah, in French it's Beaufis. Mon gendre. Gendre is in French. No, it's just when you said Gennaro Gattuso and I thought it's going to be Gennaro's Gennaro. Yerno, 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 yerno. Okay, okay, fine. It doesn't work anyway. Are you sure? Are you sure, Alvaro? I'm not sure you speak Spanish that well. Actually... <laughs> Basque is my first one. So. All right, lovely stuff. We'll hear more about that later on. Uh, Jules, that leaves you. Yeah, we had the Mediterranean derby between Nice and Monaco on Sunday night, and uh, with Ben there was frustrated to be on the bench. And when we thought he was going to come on for the last 15 minutes, he had his, his, his shirt in his hand, and then he dropped it, kind of dropped it on the floor and left to go to the dressing room. So we thought, oh, what's, gonna, what's, what's happening? There's been a fight, there's been something. And he had diarrhea, so he had a stomach bug and he had to go to the toilet very quickly. That's what <laughs> right, Philippe Clermont okay. said. Mm. Then he came back, didn't come on, but at oh. least I just hope that his stomach was okay. Yeah, me too, Jules. Of course, this was Nice before they added the mighty Ross Barkley to their ranks. Yeah, I, I, I'm hearing that Jack Rodwell is next on the list, which would be, I mean, great. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm all for that. Maybe at Debayo <laughs> as well after that. Uh, if you've got any names, send them to uh, OGC Nice, uh, mm-hmm. Côte d'Azur, Promenade des Anglais, and then I'm sure they will look into it. <laughs> Mika Richards, maybe, yeah. Mika Richards, a good one, yeah, yeah, Could yeah. be, yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right then, uh, what have we got up first today? Ooh, PSG and the Champions League. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Yeah, Champions League gets underway tonight, possibly already underway. By the time you hear this list, because there's early kickoffs on this Tuesday, the 6th of September. Uh, among the highlights of the next couple of days of action, Milan away in Salzburg looks interesting. Celtic Real very much so. Man City away in Sevilla on the Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, Paris Saint-Germain against Juventus. Woof. Wednesday, Liverpool go to Napoli, where they always lose. Uh, Inter take on Bayern. Rematch the 2010 final. And also Spurs... Host Olympic Marseille. Wow. All right. Hey, uh, Alvaro, what are they saying in Spain about Real Madrid and the trip to Glasgow? 
Well, Don't ask Alvaro. He won't know. He doesn't speak Spanish. If my real name is Alvaro. Um, I think that they are more excited in, uh, in Glasgow uh, because uh, this week I have uh, taken a few phone calls uh, from uh, Celtic Glasgow fans and uh, mm. podcasts and all that. Uh, asking me about Real Madrid and how they are getting into this game. Uh, the truth is that for Real Madrid going to Glasgow, well, it's not something they have done a lot uh, over the last years. They played the friendly in 2012, but... Uh, uh, you have to go back to the previous century to, to find the match between uh, Celtic Glasgow and Real Madrid. I think that, um, you know, Real Madrid is uh, considering this group stage like a formality, uh, not like Celtic Glasgow, of course. I can't believe you're doing other podcasts. I think that disloyalty is just sh absolutely shocking. Yeah, to be honest, you see what Julian gets up to every day. Oh my God, you're so we've, we've not got long. We've not got long. Alvaro, a formality, what, like last season's group stage was when they lost at home to Sheriff Tiraspol? Yeah, that's a very good one. And uh, two seasons ago, um, I think that the group stage wasn't quite a formality. But the truth is that Real Madrid uh, hasn't lost a game this season, uh, James, and this has mm. to be saved Neither straight away. Celtic. I mean, Boom. Have that. Boom. Anyway. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. Real Madrid heavy favourites, but I do recall that the last time Carlo Ancelotti went to Glasgow as manager of the European champions, he got beaten by Celtic. Ooh. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll come on to uh, we'll come on to uh, the situation with Real later on because we're going to start today with Liga. Possibly the most eye-catching fixture of the midweek is Paris Saint-Germain against Juventus. It's the first ever meeting in the Champions League. What did PSG get up to this weekend, Julien Laurence? They won away at Nantes, 3-0. Uh, they played with 11 men against them for, for most of the game. Uh, they were not very good at the start. They were always sloppy. Then they got better and, and Messi was very good. He, he gave two assists, Neymar started on the bench. And maybe that's why they will be sloppy at the beginning, but came on and replaced Kylian Mbappé for the last half hour. From that game, really, there's only the controversy that they flew to Nantes, which is like a 40-minute flight, instead of taking the train. And the, the SNCF, which is the, uh, the train company in France, is not happy that they don't take the train to go from, from Paris to Nantes on the, on the famous TGV, the fast train. So Christophe Galtier kind of laughed last night in his press conference, saying, OK, next time we'll travel on uh, sand yachts which didn't make many people laugh in France, not even at PSG, uh, not the sports minister who thought that was ridiculous comments from him. So they're a bit in the um, like critical size now, PSG and Christophe Galtier, for not taking like environmental questions seriously. But it'll be plain sailing against Juventus, won't it, nice. Jules? Yeah, this is what's nice. yeah. We're hoping uh, so, for sure. The, the lineup was interesting in that Neymar was benched and came on then for Mbappé. Is that Christophe Gauthier decided to take a more pragmatic approach going forward, not have the three together, or was it just to conserve energies for the event? Yeah, no, to rest them. He said yesterday, he said he spoke to them, he said, this is the way it's going to be now. He said, I don't Ooh. care if you're not happy. Yeah, you know, he was quite... Uh, he had Mbappé next to him as well during the press conference, and he was pretty, pretty strong on, they have to rotate, they have to rest, even if they're not happy, I don't care. Mm. Um, 20 minutes there, half an hour there, not starting, being benched, not coming on at all, for example. He said, this is all possible. Um, and and at, especially at Messi's age, you can understand it. So, so yeah, that's, that's the approach now. And I think we will see more and more of it. They will start, the three of them, obviously, on Tuesday night, there's no doubt. But maybe at the weekend, uh, being rested for the following uh, Champions League match, the, 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 the week after that as well, is, wouldn't be surprising. 
Okay, it was a big win anyway against Nantes. Uh, one question: Did that kid at the end get Mbappe's shirt with his banner? <laughs> no, he didn't. Which I mean, I could have been the the moment of the weekend. This mm-hmm. this little boy had a banner for for Kylian Mbappe saying, "Please, can I have your shirt, or I'll cast a spell on you?" Which I thought was very funny. Maybe Kylian didn't see the funny side of it. Uh, we asked him yesterday in his press conference about the Pogba situation and he said that Pogba called him and they had a chat and, and Pogba gave him his version of the story and mm. that he didn't do it and that and Kylian said, I have to trust in my, te- my own teammate more than his brother, his, his word against his brother's word. So for now, he said, I'm, I'm pretty t- detached about it, but I believe in what Pogba told me. So let's see, let's see what happens now. Mm. Reports that uh, Pogba has told police that he did use a witch doctor but he did it for charity, uh, not yeah. to cast a spell on Kylian Mbappe, as previously reported. A, a fascinating story, that one. Uh, meantime, the team taking on Paris Saint-Germain this Tuesday, lucky people, Juventus. How did they get on this weekend, James? Well, they drew. They're still undefeated. So in Max Allegri's eyes, uh, it's been a really positive start to the season. Uh, nobody else sees it that way. Um, Juventus didn't have a single shot on target after the half-hour mark uh, in Florence. It is a difficult place to go. Fiorentina have been very good over the last uh, year under Vincenzo Italiano. But a lot of criticism for Allegri's approach. It seems in his two-year sabbatical, um, he spent that watching games from the 1960s um, and being inspired by them and saying, "Okay, if we get ahead like they did against Fiorentina, like they did against Roma. You know, we're just going to shut up shop and decide to defend this lead for an hour or however long it takes. And they haven't been able to do that. They conceded against Roma, drew a game they perhaps should have won on the basis of their first-half performance. And in Florence as well, uh, they drew a game um, that they were in a position to win. Um, Now, I'm really curious to see what uh, Juventus shows up uh, the part de France. It will be a Juventus that is without Angel Di Maria, uh, one of their free transfers who obviously came from Paris uh, because he's injured. There'll be no Paul Pogba because uh, he's injured as well. We already knew that because he tore his meniscus whilst he was on pre-season tour with Juventus. He decided not to have surgery and now he's decided to have surgery and uh, is in doubt for the World Cup. So, so Juventus' two big signings just won't be there. Um, and in some respects, it's kind of predictable. So raises some questions about their transfer strategy. Mm. Having said that, Juventus played really well in that first 45 minutes against Roma a week or so ago. If they can deliver that kind of performance, then it'll be kind of interesting. Uh, but this will be the biggest test that their completely new-look defence has had because Chiellini's no longer there. Delict kind of got fed up and decided to join Rafa's boys. Um, and so Bremer, Bonucci and the very underrated uh, Danilo, sensational player Danilo, really, really intelligent. They will be coming up against Mbappe, uh, Messi and Neymar. And it might be PSG's best chance of getting the kind of getting revenge for remember that Super Cup first leg all those years ago? Oh, uh, of course. <laughs> remind, <laughs> remind people who don't. No, you don't have to. What was it? 6-0? 6-1? Can't remember Six the one. exact score. 6-1. one Del Piero, Del Piero salta, doppio tunnel a Moruso, a Moruso, sinistro e rete. Ancora la Juve in gol, gran gol di Amoruso, è il 6 a 1. Will Vlajovic actually play this time? Vlajovic, who's been having a brilliant start to the season, but having been bought by Juventus from Fiorentina last January, 
didn't appear in the game at the Frankie. Was there some kind of contractual reason for that, James? Uh, I don't think there was a contractual reason. Uh, it's just Max, you know, he thinks that players who are, you know, between the ages of uh, 18 and 30, they're still young um, and, uh, and they need time. Um, so uh, Vlajevic at 22, he's still, he's just a boy, James. And, uh, you know, he can't play every game, certainly can't play against Fiorentina in Florence, his old team. He's been left out uh, on the couple of occasions that uh, he's had the chance to play against his former team. Um, yeah, Allegri's saying, look, need to rotate these players. And to be honest, Milik has done really well since signing. Um, yeah, scored on his uh, on his first start, scored a couple of goals already. Did really well in that uh, in that Roma game for the goal line clearance that basically allowed them <laughs> Juventus to 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 keep onto a draw in the end. But you know, you say Vlajevic has played well. He's taken some good free kicks. He hasn't played well because he's never got the ball. And this is the big problem at Juventus. They just don't get this guy service. Uh, he needs service. He's a, he's a brilliant young forward. You know, he was being talked about as in the same league or maybe just a little bit below into, uh, of Mbappe and Haaland. And we saw the impact he made on his Champions League debut last season against Villarreal, where he scored within a few seconds, didn't he? So... Look, we'll, we'll have to see what Juventus uh, can conjure. I'm not going to completely write them off and say this is going to be a, a, a terrible beating because we've seen what they're capable of over 45 minutes against Roma. That was a really mm. encouraging performance. So they'll have to deliver that tonight. Uh, but Allegri saying, you know, we'll judge ourselves on our, our performances against Benfica, not Paris Saint-Germain. And that hasn't gone down very well either. Fabio Capella saying, Max needs to stop being a Batutista, stop being a joker. Um, mm. I mean, he needs, needs to be serious. Uh, James, to be to continue on that serious uh, note, a player that we both admire is Miralem Pjanic, ex-Juventus, of course. <laughs> Can you just update well, us about class. his latest uh, development in his illustrious career? What, what's he doing now? Going to a big club, no? Really full of world-class players. <laughs> <laughs> Where's he going? My head has been in the sand. Um, oh, you don't know? Oh, we will, no. we'll, we'll tell you now. Do you want to, Jules? Yeah. So I, Jules I just Googling it, first of all. Well, if I can't remember, because <laughs> I can't remember the name of the, Char- of the club. Sharjah FC. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, yeah? it. Sharjah FC. Sharjah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good for him. Good, good for him. Um, Indeed, yeah, he can relaunch his I mean, career yeah. yeah. Treated disgracefully by, by, by Barca. I mean, mm. come on. I mean, they would have won the, the Europa League last year had Xavi had a little bit more faith and decided to build his midfield around Miralem Pjanic. What um, might have so, been, what might have been... Jules, meantime, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, despite the, the fine win this weekend, only tied with Marseille on top of Ligue 1 right now. Marseille won four straight games under Igor Tudor. The latest Juventus victory. on Provence. Exactly. The latest <laughs> victory being a 2-0 win at Auxerre with another goal from Alexis Sanchez. And yes, they face Spurs on Wednesday. What kind of evening awaits Tottenham at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Well, I think they would be hard to play against this Marseille team, certainly because they have a, a lot of intensity. They're, they're very aggressive. That's what Tudor is about, really. And, and I think I expect them to play quite deep for this game because you, you'd be very happy with the draw. We know that Marseille's recent history in the Champions League hasn't been, hasn't been fantastic, but this is a new chapter. It's a new beginning with Tudor. No Alexis Sanchez, which I think is a huge Ooh. blow because... He suspended. Remember, he got sent oh. off. In Anfield. Exactly. Into his last uh, Champions League game. I, th- I find it a bit unfair that he's taking, obviously, to the next season, even if, if you change club, you still have the suspension. Whereas, for example, uh, someone like Kimpembe, 
took a third yellow card last season in the in the Bernabeu, so he would have been suspended for the quarterfinal first leg had PSG qualified. But yeah, he's not suspended for this game when Alexis Sanchez is. So I don't know. I find that a bit unfair. But without Alexis, they obviously not as strong, and you. I don't think the game plan would work as well because Luis Suarez not the good one, the bad one. He's obviously not as good as Alexis Sanchez. There's no Milik anymore, as we mentioned, because now he's at Juventus. So I don't know how Tudor will play, but I think they would be very hard to, to move around, to play against. They're going to make life difficult for Kane and Son and Richarlison and Kulidovsky, whoever plays for Spurs. And, but they're not as good as Spurs. So Spurs should win. They're, they're a huge favourite. But for Marseille, they're going there with a lot of really excited fans who can't wait for it. And... and hoping that they put a good shift in. Brilliant. Okay. Before we leave Ligue 1, Jules, uh, and a big win this weekend for Lyon, who, as we mentioned, are just behind uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille at the top and level on points with Lens, who we were talking up last week. And you were mentioning about how key it was to their season if they could get Seco Fofana to stay. Uh, they did get him to stay. They signed a new deal with him. And remarkable scenes when they when they brought him out for the actual... They did it kind of in public, the the, uh, the the contract renewal. Yeah, you're right. On the pitch, literally with the, the full Stade Bollard there, the, the stadium still full, all the fans there, all put their, their phones out with the torch to to light up the, the Bollard stadium as it was all dark. And then Seko Fofana came with a little desk to sign his corner. It, it was huge. It was so nicely done. They... They're such a great club with, with amazing fans and, and I think he could have left easily to go maybe earn more in a club that didn't mean as much to him, but he decided to stay. He's been one of the of the signings of the last five five years, maybe even more in, in Ligue 1, to go and get him from Udinese for 10 million. It was, was an outstanding piece of business, really. Uh, and that was great. And now, you're right, they, they're level, they're close to the top. Lyon have a game in hand that they would play on Wednesday night, that famous game that was postponed because of the music festival in Lorient. Mm. And I think they can easily smash Lorient and go level now as well with PSG and Marseille to have the, 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 the big three. All level on top would be, would be nice. Wow. Extraordinary, isn't it? OK. Uh, remarkable things going on in the Bundesliga as well. Let's hear about those and what Freiburg are doing on top next. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. This is The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Rafa, quite the top four in your Bundesliga. Freiburg top with Dortmund, but ahead on goal difference. Union, one point off the lead, level with Bayern after holding FC Bayern to a 1-1 draw at the weekend. You'd build this as quite a test for Uzfischer's side. How did they do? Oh, they did really well. It was a real test. It was the hardest game Bayern had played this season, according to Manuel Neuer. And yes, they could have won, perhaps. They should have won on another day. They did create chances, but they had a really hard time against an Union team that did everything they do so well. Defend really deep, but with real passion and pressure on the ball. Really good counter-attacks. They missed uh, their key signing this season, Jordan Zubacu, up front, but still found uh, enough to trouble this Bayern side. And it was a thoroughly entertaining battle uh, in front of a very ecstatic crowd. And Bayern, I don't think, can really have too many complaints uh, after once again lacking a little bit of focus up front, a little bit of energy. They could have won the game, as I said, but of course, every draw, every bad defeat will instantly be pinned on the absence of you-know-who up front. And every time that question gets asked... Ilya Nagelsmann reacts slightly more nerve to it because, of course, that is ultimately not completely down to him, but a huge part is down to him having said to the Bayern board, you know what, I don't need a centre-forward, I've got all these players and we'll find ways of scoring. I think it's a little bit too early to judge this policy as 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 mistaken. Bayern have looked incredibly good in, in most games and have scored plenty of goals to win all these games. But it's the easy bat to bash his head over with, if you mm. will, uh, tactically. And of course, the Champions League will yet provide more evidence whether those naysayers are correct. Mm. Well, yeah, after two straight draws, Borussia Gladbach in the previous game, and now this with Union, it is Interman who'll be hosting uh, the Bavarians on Wednesday. They've got a terrific record at San Siro. Three visits, three wins, although... There is that 2010 Champions League final, which didn't go their way. Uh, worryingly for Inter, though, their hosts, their record in the big games this season is not looking... Well, in fact, going back to you know last summer's Coppa Italia final against Juve, it's not looking good, is it, Inter, when, when there's a big occasion, a big test to be passed? Domestically, no. Um, in Europe, I, I think they showed progress last year, and it was about time. 
Um, I mean, Conte will say they reached the Europa League final, but the big knock on him and his predecessor, Luciano Spalletti, was that they never got out of the group stage. They did that last year for the first time in the decade. Uh, they played well uh, in both games against Real Madrid in the group, and they gave Liverpool a tougher test than anybody uh, up until Real Madrid in the actual final. It's a very competitive game at San Siro, uh, kind of decided by fine margins. A Liverpool set piece, uh, kind of opened up a game which had been very tight. And then, of course, they won at Anfield. And as Jules said, uh, Alexis Sanchez got sent off. If he hadn't got sent off, who knows what have had, would have happened in the final half hour. Um, so Inzaghi showed progress in that, but it's not been a very convincing start to the season um, from Inter. Yeah, they've obviously lost two games already. The two big games you were mentioning, James, in the derby uh, and also against Lazio. And even their opening game against Lecce, uh, they needed a 96th minute winner and they had all of their strikers attacking talent on the pitch at the same time. Uh, yeah, Lautaro, Dzeko, Correa, Dumfries, Lukaku. Lukaku, who won't be available for this game because he mm. picked up an injury uh, last week. So, yeah, kind of remains to be seen what, what we get from Inter uh, in this game. But... I think it might be closer than some people anticipate. Oh, all right then. Uh, Bayern have scored 26 times across six matches this term, but the last two uh, fixtures both ending up as draws. Rafa, how confident are you that they're going to get it right on Wednesday? Uh, Reasonably confident. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann compared Union's tactics to Inter, uh, and it was meant as a compliment. I'm not sure the... Interisti will see it that way, but Bayern, I think, will will try a bit harder to find the bit of precision that was missing in the final third, and maybe I think Champions League tends to focus their minds. I think a lot of it in the last two games is a sense of well, we can score so many goals, it doesn't really matter if we miss this chance or the next chance. I think they'll be a little bit more on it uh, when it comes to taking that chances, and I think they've got a reasonable, reasonably good chance of of, of winning there. Mm, there you go. Elsewhere in the Bundesliga, a big 4-0 win for Eintracht Frankfurt over RB Leipzig, whose domestic worries continue. Mario Götze again looking good for Eintracht Frankfurt, who will be facing Sporting this week in their first ever Champions League group match. Yeah, it's great. It's a great uh, occasion for Frankfurt. We all remember the scenes from the Europa League campaign, the fans really among the best in, in Germany and in Europe. And what's more, and this is also true of uh, the game in Dortmund uh, this week against Copenhagen, we will see standing in those stadiums for the first time in the Champions League, which I think is a very big occasion. 30 years after the Champions League was was brought in and football was changed, not all for the better, we will see a glimpse of how things used to be and perhaps combine it with the new. And I think that'd be really, really exciting, especially at places like... Um, like Frankfurt, who will treat this as you know as a as a real highlight in the club's history, not just another humdrum group stage game like maybe perhaps one or two other clubs. And yeah, they look good. Um, there were real fears before the season that with Kostic leaving and Glasner having struggled in the league despite their run in the Europa League, that they would be in for another tough season. But They've confounded the doubters. Um, their new signing from France, Randal Kolomouani, looks absolutely brilliant up front. Um, started as a sub, but now it's become so good. I think he will, he will have to automatically start. People compare him to Thierry Henry already with the way he plays. Um, I think one of the big names to watch out for in the Champions League this season. And indeed, if you want other 
names to watch out for. We put together a list of 10 players, I think it was, to uh, keep an eye on in the Champions League who might not all yet uh, be quite well known. All right. Is that for theathletic.com? That is for theathletic.com. Ooh. We're going to look that out. How many clubs are involved in this standing uh, standing room uh, experiment, Rafa? Do you know? I think it's allowed throughout um, the league as long as you have safe, if you can... Um, yeah, demonstrate the appropriate safety correct. Yeah, measures. Correct. Interesting. Interesting, but only a few clubs as yet perhaps taking it up. All right. Uh, what about Freiburg then? In first place on 12 points after their 3-2 win over Bayer Leverkusen. Only the second time in their history that Freiburg have been top of the Bundesliga. The other one was on the opening day of a campaign uh, 21 years ago. 22 years ago, actually. Uh, So, yeah, how about them? No, Freiburg are are fantastic. Um, How Christian Streich gets so much out of these players with big players, well, big by their standards, uh, leaving... Every season, uh, they've lost Nico Schlotterbeck, who was so instrumental at the heart of their defence. He's gone to Dortmund. It's just absolutely incredible. Uh, They also have a new stadium. They have, I think, apart from Union, probably the closest connection between supporters, players, the whole club, the manager. It's all sort of one big happy family, which is not easy to replicate it in bigger cities with, with more expectation. Um, Freiburg is a sort of place that if Christian Streich were now to go down uh, next season, they would probably stick with him until he comes back up again. But it is just an unbelievable story. And it comes at a time when I think people are beginning to wonder, you know, do things need to change in the Bundesliga? Do we need to bring in an English model with outside investments to help clubs uh, achieve more you know, possibilities when it comes to really challenging at the top do we need to go away from the 50 plus one rule but just in this moment in time two clubs come along in Union and Freiburg who show even if it's just momentarily that you can do things completely organically completely without any outside investment and just taking smart decisions and being just a little bit more clever with your resources and you can go into the Champions League possibly I think it's not a it's not impossible that either Freiburg or Union will end up in the top four, which would be, uh, yet again, just an incredible achievement for both of them. So it comes at a very pivotal time, that little, that minor sort of fairy tale um, at Freiburg and, and Union as well. And um, I think people are quite excited about that. Which do you think is more likely to sustain it over the course of a season? I think Union have better players. Um, I think it's a better, better squad, but Freiburg every year seem to get so much out of a team that on paper doesn't look all that inspiring and sometimes doesn't play the most inspiring football either but they're just so well drilled so hard working and that special team spirit that they really work hard on you know lots of bonding sessions and, and a huge what kind focus of thing do they do uh, nothing out of the ordinary but just um Making sure that uh, the team really gets on. They do a lot of scouting when it comes to adding the right kind of character into the dressing room. There's a lot of time and effort being spent on on improving the kind of social dynamics uh, inside the club. And uh, Christian Streich, of course, is the figurehead of all of that. And it's taken them so far. You know, they're playing the Europa League proper uh, this time. As, as our new one, of course, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's just a stepping stone to bigger mm. and greater things.
All right. Okay, in action on Thursday, Union are hosting Union Saint-Gilloise. Who have Freiburg got? Oh, they've got your favourite team, James. Have they? Is it Carabag? It is Carabag. They are my favourite team. All right. Look forward to seeing how those sides get on. Next up, ooh, a bit of reaction to the transfer window and Liverpool's prospects in Naples. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Since our last show, the transfer window closed. Boom. Premier League spent a gazillion. Everyone else, some buttons and what was left in the tips box. I'm rounding up. Uh, Rafa, you were mentioning questions in Germany about whether the model needs to be changed to allow Bundesliga clubs bigger possibilities. I'm guessing financially, possibly in the face of the increased disparity financially between the Premier League and everybody else. What's the reaction been like uh, around around the rest of Europe? What, what have they been saying in in Spain, for example, to a transfer market which saw Premier League spending more than every other league put together? I think that there is an admiration um, about the Premier League model. I think that there is also uh, a certain fan base that uh, has been adversary to Javier Tebas, who is criticizing uh, the Javier Tebas, Tebas detractors, basically, for uh, imposing a salary cap in Spain that doesn't allow Spanish clubs maybe to invest, to get a debt, and uh, get uh, bigger and grow. You know, uh, La Liga has been containing all this... Uh, you know, will to spend. And uh, generally speaking, I think that the Premier League has an admiration in Spain and uh, La Liga is just trying to catch up with them, but they are going to find it very difficult every time you go to a La Liga meeting or you attend a summit in which La Liga representative is uh, involved. Uh, they are mentioning the Premier League. They are obsessed with catching up with them. But yeah, so far has been impossible. And the spend, the net spend of the Premier League in comparison to the rest of the leagues uh, has been astonishing. Hmm. Was it 1.3 billion or probably more than that? And the next closest in terms of net spend was La Liga with a, a paltry 55 billion. The figures I, I read that there'll be some questions over that. But beyond the actual numbers, Jules, for example, in France, are they saying that this is a, a good thing or a bad thing or just the way that it is? More the way that it is. And to be fair, it, bank, it bankrolls French football anyway. Like I think a lot of other leagues and countries. So you can't really complain about the money coming in from English clubs sometimes paying way over the odds to get your players in Ligue 1, often very young as well. But then that money is reinvested in academies in France or to, to sign other players. You sell Paqueta for 60 million to, to West Ham. But that, that money brings you, like I said, back to, to Lyon and Tolisso back to Lyon as well. And you can, you can invest the money and, and, and buy other players. And that's, that's very much the idea. I remember... Antonetti, the, uh, the former Mets manager, a few years ago, and when he was at Rennes, I think he was, saying to us, the media, oh, you don't, you don't care then when the, the team that is going to be bottom of the Premier League is going to come and sign one of our best players, one of our top three teams' best player, And he was, he was outraged about it. And I think if you're a manager in France, maybe you struggle more with it than, than the fans or the media who are a bit more realistic about the fact that this is this is the situation there's nothing else we can do the the Ligue 1 is trying to copy some of the things that the Premier League has done 30 years ago when they got together uh, and that deal with the deal with CVC that they did last year I think is is part of that to almost sell yourself as a as a as an entity economically more than uh, just a football league with football teams the fact that we're going to go down to 18 clubs like in Germany from next season so there's four clubs going down this year 
I think will 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 make him should make him more competitive and and the money obviously will, will be spread over eighteen and not twenty clubs. So they're trying they're trying to not to catch up with England because that's impossible. But it's impossible for everybody. But mm. they they're trying to 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 be more competitive overall. On the subject of the transfer window, interesting to note that UEFA issued uh, financial fair play which does still exist, fines for eight clubs, Paris Saint-Germain, Inter, Juventus, Roma, Milan, Marseille, Monaco and Besiktas this week. I, first of all, I don't see, well, eight, there's no Premier League sides in there and there's no Barcelona. Can anyone explain that? Well, because Barcelona has been compliant uh, so far over the last two years, definitely, uh, since Joan Laporta took over. And, uh, you know, they activated the levers and uh, they have managed to... Uh, have a positive uh, revenue in their books. Like, for example, last season, Barcelona had a positive one after selling one of their levers and uh, they managed to negotiate La Liga's salary cap for this summer. So I think that this is a reflection of what uh, La Liga is trying to do. Look, number one, maybe we are not able to compete with the Premier League right now. Even Carlo Ancelotti said the other day that he doesn't know when this Premier League uh, spending um, spending wave is going to, to end up. But uh, on the other hand, we're going we're not going to have bankruptcy either. Like uh, 10, 15 years ago, around 15 or 20 teams in the Spanish ranks uh, had plenty of depths, and now they are much better, in a much better place. The question for me is, as soon as this gets uh, stable and uh, La Liga teams, uh, they manage to be perfectly fine, all of them, for a couple of years, will they be able to start spending again? This is for me the big conundrum here. Mm. Well, we'll wait January as well to see what happens to the Premier League sides once they get their energy bills. That could put a, a major dent in the financial imbalance mm. excellent Julian Laurence you've got to leave us now yeah sorry boys. had enough Thank from you, you. So off you go <laughs> see you Merci on the gold show boys Merci see beaucoup. you on the gold show bye 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 excellent just flag up that while many players have come to the Premier League from other leagues some have gone the other way you mentioned Ross Barkley earlier on Deli Alley of course joining Besiktas and scoring his debut goal this weekend in the Turkish Giants, a 3-2 victory against the, uh, against their Super League rivals, Ankara Gusu. Begor succès de Cenk. Kafal indi de gol pozisyonu, şut gol! Top ağlara getirdi Deli Ali. Deli Ali attı, Türkiye kariyerinde ilk gol. Deli Ali. 3-2 win. The uh, final goal for Besiktas came from uh, George Kevin Nkudu, another former Spurs player. Ali was taken off in the 66th minute. There was a pitch invader who got taken out partly by Vote Veghorst, from what I could see. Interestingly, up front for Angaragushu was a former Man United striker, Federico Maqueda. How about that? It's just so Super League. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, James, uh, talking about myths and uh, players who are maybe in the wrong side of uh, their career development... Luis Suarez, over 30 years old, mm. scored a beautiful goal. A beautiful goal with Nacional the other day uh, on uh, their game against Montevideo City Torque. Uh, you know, he's getting ready for the World Cup and the goal is really lovely. You have to watch it. Viene Suarez, Lucho! Goal! Suarez, a fantastic smash from range. Uh, beautiful. Very good. Now, Wednesday in the Champions League sees Liverpool visit the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. In Naples, where, James, they've lost on their last two visits. What awaits them this time? Well, a Spalletti team that uh, is confident. Um, we saw them on BT Golazzo on Saturday night. Uh, they came back from behind to beat Lazio. Um, and I think in the end, 
it was uh, the quality um, that Spalletti has available to him that that told um, really uh, I think you already spoke about Cavaret Skelly on yesterday's Totally show but um, there are other players I mean the midfield in particular uh, is really good uh, and Guisa I know he flopped at Fulham but he has that kind of ability to just wriggle free of pressure he's very strong uh, as well uh, Lobotka yeah, very good for Villarreal. Lobotka features in the piece that Rafa mentioned, 10 players to watch in the Champions League. Mm. I mean, he's been at Napoli for 18 months now, but Spalletti, just his ability to kind of invent deep-lying playmakers is unrivaled, I think. Um, yeah, he's he's done it with David Pizzato in the past. He's done it with Brozovic. And, and Lobotka is just a wonderful one-touch player to watch. So, you know, obviously Liverpool go into this... Um, with more uncertainty, I suppose, around them and, and what you're going to get from Liverpool than, than past Liverpools. They're still favourites, obviously. Um, but, yeah, the gap is, 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 is still pretty unbridgeable, um, I would say. And we'll have to see if Victor Osserman is fit to play. It looks like he won't. Um, yeah, he, he suffered an injury in, in training. Um, so uh, we might see a bit of Cholito Simeone. Um, we might see a bit of Raspadori um, instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is a Napoli side that has completely changed from from last year, uh, and and you know the, the, the kind of core of the last great Napoli side. Yeah, Koulibaly's gone, Insigne's gone, Mertens is gone. Um, but I think the signings that they've made um, so far have been eclectic, but very exciting. Very exciting. The way the narrative has shifted from the players who've left to the players who've come in, as you mentioned, Kvaratskhelia up front, who. I don't, I don't know if you think it's sustainable what he's doing, but right now, as as Rory was saying on Monday's show, possibly the most exciting player to watch in Europe. But also at the back, Kim is looking fantastic in for Koulibaly. Kim's got a couple of goals um, since his move from uh, Fenerbahce. And, you know, he's, he's willing to kind of step out defence, join in attacks. Uh, that's always fun to see. And likewise, you know, I mean, Raspadori is one of the kind of most exciting talents in Italian football. I mean, height to the heavens as any young player is when they come through in, in Italy. He was part of that Sassuolo side with, with Scamacca. Um, and, you know, I think he's someone who will benefit from Spalletti's work. Because Spalletti, I think he's, in terms of teaching football and making players better, um, and also just playing a really attractive style, he's just one of the, one of the best coaches of his generation. Um, and so, yeah, let's see. I mean, Napoli bizarrely have never made it beyond the quarterfinals. I don't think they've actually made it to a quarterfinal in the Champions League. Um, yeah, Spalletti's done that a couple of times with Roma. Um, don't ask what happened next, but um, maybe you know, maybe this this might happen this year. It's, it's it's a it's a really fun group with Ajax and Rangers alongside them, who of course will be facing off themselves this week. Liverpool won all six of their Champions League away games last season. They also won all six of their group stage matches, but not in the greatest of shapes as they go into this game after a couple of draws. All right, well, some exciting matches last weekend in Serie A. Uh, there was Napoli's win in Rome. There was the derby, which you mentioned before. Juve's 1-1 draw in Florence, less so perhaps. But oh, what about Sunday night? Roma beaten 4-0 by Udinese. Tell us about Udinese. Yeah, Udinese have won their last three games. Um, and it's been a very good start to the season under uh, Sotil. Uh, I think fans of Serie A of a certain vintage will remember him. 
playing in a sort of late 80s, 90s. Um, Sotil is the latest coaching find um, of Udinese. He certainly worked his way up right from the bottom of the football pyramid. Um, it's not always exciting football to watch uh, from Udinese, but um, they've still got some very good players. I mean, one we're going to see in the Premier League next year, which is Destiny Udoje, who Fabio Padatici has signed for, for Tottenham. Udoje scored a couple of goals this year. He seems to make the mark in, in big games, sort of made his name with goals against Milan last season. Uh, and De La Feo, um, you know, De La Feo is one of those players who can make the difference in Serie A. Uh, and certainly if he's fit and healthy for, for the entire season, um, you know, I mean, I would say, you know, he was a contender to be in anyone's team of the season in Serie A last year. So good was he at picking up the slack left by Rodrigo De Paul after he left for Atletico. So they were good, but Roma were bad. They made mistakes, um, you know, I mean, Karsdorp's error on the first goal, Rui Patricio completely fumbles uh, the second goal and, and by that time the game's gone and it will be disappointing for Chris Smalling and Tammy Abraham because Gareth Southgate was in Italy this weekend, he went to the Milan derby to watch uh, Tamori, he then went to Udine to watch uh, Tammy and Smalling and he saw their first defeat of the season and Joseph Mourinho's biggest ever defeat in Serie A. Um, so Look, I think it was a, a bit of a, a, a an accident, really. But we'll have to see how they bounce back. I mean, it's sem- certainly tempered some of the enthusiasm around Roma, who people have thrust into the the conversation about being a title contender. Uh, Mourinho has classically kind of already poured uh, cold water on that, saying, "Hey, Samp and Lecce, the only teams that have spent uh, less money than we have. You know, Lazio have spent forty million. Um, we've only spent seven. Uh, no one talks about Lazio as a title contender. Why are you talking about us as a title contender? But nevertheless, it was a was a blow. Mm. All right, nobody's talking about Atalanta as title contenders, but they are the team that are top of the pile right now, two points clear of Napoli and Milan. Behind Atalanta, as mentioned, the next eight teams separated by just three points. This was supposed to be a transition season for Atalanta or perhaps the, the start of a kind of downward cycle. But instead, James... Instead, they're undefeated. I think they've won four of their five games. They're, they're keeping clean sheets. Um, yeah, I think uh, Gasparini has said, like, look, I don't have the same attacking potential that we did in our glory years. And, you know, Papu's gone. Josip Ilicic uh, left. It was a kind of emotional farewell at the weekend. Um, and so we always talked about this fast and loose team. Instead, they're defensively very solid. Um, and... They're not in any European competition this year. It allows them to focus on the league. I think that's going to help. They'll be able to rest, recuperate, game plan uh, from game to game, play at that Atalanta Premier League intensity, which served them so well in Gasp's first five years. And I think very few of their players will be at the World Cup uh, as well. So they're going to have a couple of months off uh, in between in between the, the end of the first half of the season and the World Cup. And, you know, you talked about no one talking about them for the title, but no one was really talking about them for top four. I think they're a massive threat uh, for, for the top four and, and, and maybe even beyond. I mean, the best Atalanta was able to show continuity, go on long unbeaten runs and, yeah, threaten for the title uh, under Gasp. So, um, yeah, they've got continuity that other teams lack. Um, and I think some of their signings, Edison, Ademelo Lukman, um Kjolland, who scored um, in the win over Monza, looked good. So, uh, yeah, 
Don't write off Atalanta. Okay. Can we write off Monza, though? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see whether Monza uh, change coach and become the first uh, team in Italy to, to sack their manager um, this week. Um, it hasn't gone well for Berlusconi and, and Galliani's retirement project. Um, even though they've they've signed all these proven Serie A players um, and spent a lot of money, um, yeah, they they they're winless. Um, I think they're pointless as well, mm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and so five games, that has five defeats. Yeah, has not gone well uh, at all. So we'll we'll have to put some names into a hat of former Milan players, um, put our hands in James and find out who they're, they're going to get. Is it, is it going to be Brocky again? Is it going to be Pippo Inzaghi? Or Pippo Inzaghi is with uh, Regina, I think, uh, these days. Um, which ex-Milan player can they hire? Um, let's see. All right. Well, on that cliffhanger, that's where we'll leave City out. And next up, we're going to talk La Liga. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Avro, Real Madrid preserved their perfect start to the season last weekend, beating Betis 2-1. Rodrigo with the second-half winner there. Mentioned earlier on their trip to Glasgow. Barcelona up to second now after their 3-0 win away in Seville with summer signings very much on the score sheet. Rafinha. Scoring after 21 minutes. A lovely goal from Robert Lewandowski. What on earth is going on? I mean, well done Barcelona, but what on earth is going on with Sevilla? Who've got Man City, by the way, coming up next. Yeah, and I, and I really fear for Sevilla in this game, really. I think that Manchester City can have a goal feast at Sanchez-Pizjuan. You know, this is the kind of prediction that make... Uh, may make you look like a, like a fool uh, in a couple of days' time. But I really think that uh, on the basis of what I've seen um, with Manchester City, uh, also Haaland's uh, form, uh, let's don't forget that two years ago Sevilla couldn't stop Haaland, and this Haaland is as good as that Haaland. I think that it doesn't look good for them. Look, it, there are many places where you could point at and say, you are guilty for this. Number one, in my opinion, is Monchi. Monchi is a, a perfect, great sporting director. And the things that... Uh, he didn't do a proper reconstruction of this Sevilla that won the Europa League in 2020. I think that he still hasn't been able to find a good replacement for a striker since uh, Luke de Jong or even Ben Yedder left. Uh, and in the city and Rafa Mir, they are not making the difference up front. Let's see Tolberg, a player who all signed pretty much at the deadline, can make a difference. Then I think that the centre-backs leaving Diego Carlos and Koundé is a massive blow for them, but also the age of the team. Uh, some players like Jesus Navas, like Fernando, who has been very good for Sevilla, by the way, and... Uh, Eric Lamela, who is not very old, but he's definitely a little bit slow and very inconsistent. Well, some of those players over there, I don't think that they can give you a full, uh, great football season. And I think that this is under Monty's belt in the sense that uh, maybe football requires right now more physical players and, uh, and, more, and faster players, definitely. And Sevilla got themselves some robust players who are a little bit too rigid. Uh, and I think that uh, Monty is an the number one guilty uh, because also he didn't make a decision that he probably wanted to do in summer which is sacking Lopetegui after three good years well this season Sevilla is not looking good and I don't think Lopetegui has uh, the charisma just to make Sevilla stand up from this I don't see him giving a 
an uplifting, motivating speech ahead of the game against Manchester City after having lost so many games. Uh, so many games, Lopetegui doesn't look like the right man to lead Sevilla to some sort of glory for them, which would be obviously uh, going through the group stage and qualifying between the first four clubs in uh, in La Liga for the next Champions League. It's not looking good for them, and uh, you know it's mandatory that some of the key players in Sevilla step up. I'm talking about Bono. I'm talking about. Uh, Probably Rakitic, uh, Bono the goalkeeper, Rakitic, uh, and then the, the centre-backs as well, because otherwise he's looking very bad for them. Whistled off a barrage of boos and whistles as they left the field uh, yeah. this weekend after the defeat by Barcelona. Barcelona are second, two points behind Real, level with the remarkable Villa Real with Real Betis. Still in fourth place, uh, Sevilla down the other end of the table. Their only goal difference outside the relegation zone. Valencia with uh, Gennaro Gattuso looking for a match for his daughter, meantime enjoying a resounding 5-1 victory over Getafe uh, this weekend. What else is worth looking at? Uh, how about how about Real Sociedad, who will be taking on Man United on Thursday in the David Moyes derby, uh, and their one more draw against Atletico Madrid? Yes, I think Real Sociedad is a very remarkable side because they are the masters of uh, the fine, small, short margins. They have won so many games, one nil over the last uh, 12 months, really. And now in the Europa League, they've got a new type of test because they will be facing Manchester United at Old Trafford. Uh, what I can say here is that, number one, Real Sociedad has a brilliant project and a manager that believes in the academy because he's been there and he knows the academy very well. And uh, in midfield, they've got so many players with talent. Mikel Merino is one of the best Spanish midfielders. David Silva is playing really good football. Bryce Mendez was a very clever signing. Zubi Mendy, uh, for some, is considered the, ne the next Sergio Busquets for Barcelona. So the team is good and they have signed... Umar Sadik uh, to replace uh, Isaac. Umar Sadik last season in Spanish Segunda División, Second Division. He did very well. But uh, going back to Real Sociedad's strange run of results, winning one nil many games, I think that this is a reflection of what La Liga is about now. Uh, I think La Liga is a very low scoring league, generally speaking. You just have to go to La Liga table of 21-22 to see that there were many, many clubs that scored less than 45 goals in La Liga. And I think Real Sociedad is benefiting from this. Maybe the, attacking, the best attacking talent in the bottom half of the table has departed. And uh, Real Sociedad is just uh, capitalizing. I think mm. that this is uh, this can be said because they've got a good defense and because they know how to keep the possession after they score the first the first goal. This time against Atletico last weekend, they managed to come back uh, for a draw, which is something very remarkable because when Atletico scores the first goal, normally they keep the lead. So yeah, I think Real Sociedad is in a good place, definitely. Okay, there was another of your one nil results meantime in the clash between your friends Athletic and Espanyol. And you mentioned the Martin Braithwaite, the fact that it was him who scored the goal for Espanyol. It, I mean, it's it's just such a bizarre career that he that he's had, or such a bizarre bit of transfer business that that was. It, him being plucked from relegation battling Leganes, Leganes not being able to outside the transfer window because of special circumstances. But those special circumstances not applying to Leganes, who ultimately went down that season. But then Barcelona decided they didn't need him. Anyway, it, it is, has there been much comment about this? Look, there has been some toxic comments uh, that go in the same direction as the toxic comments towards Frankie de Jong and Jordi Alba from uh, ultra fans that basically they want these players to uh, leave their contract and terminate it unilaterally and leave Barcelona and not uh, get in any 
any living pay for it okay so this is something that or these are some people that think that we should uh, we should not uh, pay a lot of attention for martin braidwood has been always a good professional for barcelona it is weird the way they sign him because it's true that that rule from la liga should be scrapped i mean you cannot take a player from uh, any side in the middle of the season outside the transfer window just because you have an injury it's like me going with some money and buying some people's clothes in the streets while while, while they are walking there you know what i mean like i give me your t-shirt i give you this money it, it is something like that really something very 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 weird uh, terminator way by the way when he mm, gets naked yeah. into the path you know what i mean um But Braithwaite has been a good professional for Barcelona. He wanted to triumph and to win and to succeed in there. He didn't prosper. Uh, he also picked a very nasty injury last season, by the way. And, uh, you know, he's been the ultimate professional and he fought for his rights. So I think that uh, it's very nice to see him just scoring goals for Espanyol because also he's got this ambition of playing the World Cup at the end of the day, you know, because he, he's, he's going to be there with Denmark and he wants to be fit for the Danish national team. So fair play to him, really. He's a clever man. Anyway, uh, he's a very he's a very successful businessman aside of football. So I'm sure that uh, you know Martin Braithwaite uh, has defended himself with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of intelligence. Well, it'll be especially sweet for him, I guess, going for Barcelona's rivals, and the derby will be a big fixture when that rolls around. Uh, very good with a huge midweek in prospect. Then that's where we'll wrap things up for today's Totally Football Show European edition. Just quick check, Rafa, James, Alvaro, anything else? No? no. Well, I, when Alvaro said that Bono needs to step up for Sevilla, I was just wondering go. if he's <laughs> if he's stuck in a moment <laughs> and he can't get out of it, that's all. That's it. Oh, because uno, yeah, dos, tres, right. catorce. Like, yeah. like the rock band. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Oh, you might just have started something. Bono U2 puns. All right, James Moncastle. <laughs> Very good. Okay, look forward to more solid gold content like that when we uh, reunite a little bit later on for the Gold Show. If it's already happened, listener, catch the one on Wednesday as we bring you all the delights of the opening round of group stage matches in the Champions League. For now, it's many, many thanks to Alvaro Romeo, to James Horncastle, to Raphael Honigstein. Julian Laurent has already done one. Producer Charlie is still there. And you, apparently, listener, well done. We'll be back on Thursday with our review of the midweek games on the Totally Football Show. Do join us then. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.